ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Podcast. Children of all ages, boys and girls, dogs and kitties, let me introduce you the host, the one, the only, Philip. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Podcast. This is episode number 23. And today, we're going to talk about the off-season moves that the Chicago Bulls have made. Um, today, I have a guest um, returned to this podcast. He's the co-host of the Bulls Go Podcast, Edward. Welcome back to the show, man. Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for uh, letting me uh, come back on. Yeah, pretty good. No, no problem, man. No problem. Thanks for being have the time to be on the podcast again. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah, well, what a crazy, wild NBA offseason we have internal. You know, we have you see like a bunch of moves, a bunch mm-hmm. of superstars going to different teams like crazy. I I don't remember recall seeing so many stars going to different teams, so many moves. Have you? No, this has been a this has been a very interesting season, and I think or off season, I think it's going to be one that people remember for a long time. I think the closest one I can remember is the summer of 2010, but I think this off season really did a good job of representing the era of social media that we kind of you know consume now, where everything is just quick and fast and at you, and it's just when the uh when the new moratorium or not the new moratorium when free agency started we just had a series of moves one after the other and you really couldn't put down social media at all so i mean it's it's definitely different i've i've never seen anything like this yeah i i remember i was like on twitter looking see wool making wool bomb <laughs> refreshing, yeah, my, yeah. refreshing my computer every time every time i was like when's it gonna be the next move if there's gonna be any trades and, you know, yeah. we heard rumors about Chris Paul since, you know, he's recently got traded for Russell Westbrook going to Oklahoma. We heard rumors about Kim Love, Bradley Beal, and so on. We'll, it's a matter of time. We just don't know if it's going to happen mm. at some point or maybe later next year. Who knows? But it, mm. now, as for the Bulls, they do make moves. Um, we're not getting, we didn't get superstar, but we make some moves. Um, I would talk about free agency in a while, but let's talk about what the Bulls did in the draft. The, the Bulls, uh-huh. for the number seven overall pick, they select Kobe White, which I like to pick. What are your thoughts on that? When they decided to keep the pick and select Kobe White. When the draft was happening live, I my my hope was that Jared Culver was going to fall to the Bulls, and they got very close to getting Jared Culver. So uh, I thought getting Kobe White was a very good pickup because I think Kobe White – you know, and we were talking about it when I was uh, last on your show, but Kobe White fits a lot of the skills that you want in a point guard on this team and in the NBA. I mean, he's very fast. He is a very good shooter, you know, especially on catch and shoot, uh, catch and shoot scenarios. And, you know, he's got the size to be to hold down a position defensively as well. And he's a very solid team defender. I think the question a lot of people have is about his upside. A lot of people don't really think he has like superstar upside or some people don't even think he has all-star upside. But when you look at Kobe White, I just see a player who, I mean, he's 19 years old. He can shoot the ball. I think he's good at pick and roll. You know, he's very fast. He can play well in transition. It's really just a matter of 
being able to, you know, polish his skills as a point guard, as a facilitator, as a floor general. And once you get that out of him and once you see more, you know, comfort off the dribble in terms of, you know, being a playmaker for others or as, you know, an own, as his own individual scoring goes, I think you're going to have a very good player. So I, I like the pick overall. I think the Bulls got a player of it is going to fit this team going forward. And I think Bulls fans right now should be very optimistic about what they have in Kobe White. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Kobe White and people, some people don't know about this. I remember I read somewhere that when he was playing in high school, he played usually at the two guard, but then he only played like point guard maybe one year. And I think it was yeah. with North Carolina. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so Kobe White is a combo guard. So I think I think the one thing Bulls fans need to remember is that Kobe White is not a pure point guard. He's not a traditional point guard by any means. Does it it doesn't mean that he cannot play the position, but he's a combo guard and he leans more towards being a shooting guard if anything. I think the I think a good comparison in terms of what he is in terms of trying to learn the position is if you look at what Jamal Murray is of the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray is a two guard, but he plays point guard for the Denver Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets are trying to make Jamal Murray a more, a better playmaker for others, a better floor general, though it, the pressure is not necessarily there for him to do that so quickly because you have Nikola Jokic on the team who is basically a point center. It's basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's basically one of the best point guards in the league as a center. So it takes that pressure off of him to be a, you know, high volume playmaker. And I think that's kind of why Kobe White is a really good fit for the Bulls because, you know, next season, he's not going to, he's not going to be expected to be a high volume floor general. He's going to be expected to come on the floor, play good team defense, hit open shots and be a menace in transition. As far as ball handling goes, he can kind of pick and choose his spots because there will be other players on this team in terms of Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry Markkinen, guys like that who will probably shoulder more of the, you know, playmaking and offensive creation. So they can, they can develop him slowly and, you know, allow him to get more comfortable as a point guard. But for now, him being more of a combo guard who can play point is a very good fit for his team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I 100% agree. This is mm-hmm. a fun, I guess, I guess that's the way the word to, to describe it is we have, players that can play multiple multiple positions now, first of all, are some of the players. And you mentioned about Kobe White playing, you know, both two and one uh, combo guard. And it's first of all, he can play maybe alongside with the starters, maybe with some of the bench, maybe playing alongside with Chris Dunn, assuming he's still on the roster. And mm-hmm. and so on. And now, do you see him get beyond the rotation for this coming season, or should be, or will he be on the bench? In terms of uh, Kobe White, do I think Kobe White will be in the rotation for the Bulls? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I think Kobe White will be in the rotation, but I think that it's going to be, it's not going to be a ton of minutes. I think if you expect Kobe White to play, let's say twenty-five to thirty minutes a game off the bat, I think that's probably a bad expectation. I think he's going to come off the bench, play anywhere from 15 to 18 minutes per game. And if he does well with those minutes, then I think his minutes will start to ramp up. But I think you're going to see a different 
you know, game plan in terms of developing Kobe White than what Bulls fans are typically used to for point guards. You know, I think they've learned from, or I hope they've learned from their mistake with Chris Dunn. And they, while it was a rebuilding situation and they didn't really have a lot of point guard competition, I think the one thing with Chris Dunn is that they kind of just tossed him out there and they kind of just let him live with his mistakes, even when those mistakes were just very apparent. So it seems like with the, with the luxury this team has right now with the free agent signings they made, they have a lot of guards. There's not really any pressure right now to toss Kobe White out there and play him 30 minutes per game or 35 minutes per game. Like They can take their time. They can ease him in. They can allow him to develop properly. If he makes mistakes, I think you know you, there's not any pressure to necessarily bench him or anything like that. Like They can let him come back the next game and play his 15 to 18 minutes. So I expect him to be in the rotation, but I just don't see a a a high minute role per se. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I can see that. Um, I don't yeah. see him as a starter anytime. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised he gets started. I, and we heard Chim, what Chim Bolin say not too long ago in the summer league that Chris Dunn's gonna be start with the uh, as the point guard, which I don't think it's a wise move. But I could probably see why he say that in public. Um, but I think it's better for Kobe White to be on the rotation to, so he can learn and adapt. It will, it's going to take him a while because yeah. he's only 19 year old and point guard is probably is hard to learn by. And he just and he doesn't have much experience playing that position, which people need to understand that and learn to you know be patient with, with the guy. He may show flashes here and there, but I think with the right guidelines, I think he can, you know, make it to this league and could be a star at one point later down the road. Yeah. Um, now, do you see, you mentioned about star potential. Do you see him as a star potential? I don't think Kobe White has very obvious star potential. I do think he can become an all-star under the right conditions. Okay. So I think Kobe White, the chances of him being a star, I think are probably, uh, you know, very small to none. I mean, I, I there's a, for me, players with superstar potential, they're few and far, and I kind of treat those cases with a very special in a very special lane. And Kobe White, if he does become a star, I mean, obviously Bulls fans will be very happy, but the superstar scenario, I don't, I don't see it as likely at all. Okay, I, I could see him like maybe, maybe all. I'm not, I, I'm not saying superstar, but yeah. I'd say maybe all star here and there. You know, just like guys like yeah, you got a. Denzel Russell, you know, just like that. So it's yeah. one of those t- second tire, third tire players, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I can see him as an all star one day. I mean, he's he he definitely has believable all star potential to me. It's just really a matter of you know if he can improve off the dribble, if he can improve as a decision maker in the half court. I think once he learns how to improve under those you know under those conditions, I think you have one hell of a player. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and you know, um, I think people doesn't give enough credit to him because I think he has more upside than most people think. Mm-hmm. I, maybe that's just me. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do. I think there was, I, I think there was a popular opinion pre-draft that Kobe White was more of a low ceiling type of player, and I don't think that's true at all. You know, I think. I think Kobe White definitely has a very high ceiling. I mean, again, he's 19 years old. He's very fast in, in the open court. If he doesn't have elite speed, 
he's very close to it. So, I mean, you look at what he did in North Carolina. North Carolina was one of the fastest teams in the country in terms of uh, possessions per game. I think the previous two seasons, they weren't even in the top 25 in terms of possessions per game. They get Kobe White, their identity completely changed. They were a top 10 team in terms of possessions per game last year, and that's the Kobe White effect. So when you look at Kobe White, you see the speed, you see what he can do in transition, you see the jump shot, you see the pick and roll play. I mean, there's a there's a lot of potential there. He's he's a very solid player. He's got good character, and the intangibles seem to be, you know, at, at least respectable bare minimum. So I I see him as a high upside play for sure. And I think getting a player like that at seven, I I think that's a good coup for the Bulls right now. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and the Bulls want to play fast. Um, mm. Hopefully, Tim Bowen let them <laughs> not yeah. being opposed to. Whoever, well, we don't have Robin Lopez anymore, so mm-hmm. um, hopefully Jimbo will let them play fast, have faster pace, and with, you know, Kobe White, that will, you know, lead to a lot of fast break and trace, transition. I'm hoping Jimbo and have Kobe White play with the Stars to get some experience with the Stars, you know, you know what I mean? He doesn't mm-hmm. have to start, but play with the Stars, get some uh, playing time, development. It'll be good for development for him and the other guys get to know each other, chemistry-wise and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now for the second rounder, the Bulls select, which is number 38 overall pick, which I love to pick by the way, they mm-hmm. select Daniel Gafford, athletic big man. And I've been craving for the Bulls to select a athletic big man for for past few years. We haven't had that since maybe Kaj Gibson, and we got we finally got one who wins like a deer, um, who will protect the rim. And active on the boards. Now he's pretty limited offensively, and he kind of maybe remind me of Clint Capella or Daniel Jordan. What are your thoughts on the pick with Daniel Gafford? I think it's a solid pick for sure. Gafford is a player who a year ago was projected to be a lottery pick, and you know that you can definitely see the appeal in him. As you mentioned, he's very athletic. He is a pretty solid defender overall. He contests shots well. His help side defense is fantastic. And he brings a lot of energy. I mean, you can see he, he went to Arkansas. Bobby Portis mentored him. And you can see that similar energy that Bobby Portis brought, except Gafford brings that to the defensive end. So Gafford's a very energetic player. He's very active. He, I mean, he's a good defender overall. And offensively, he's, you know, he kind of fits the profile of a rim running big man. So you're not going to get much jump shot out. Of, you're not going to get much from the perimeter out of him in terms of shooting jumpers. You're probably not going to get someone, you know, like a Wendell Carter Jr. who is a good passer and sees the floor well in the half court. But in terms of being a high floor role player, I think Daniel Gafford can be a solid contributor for his team one day. I mean, he's got – we saw some flashes of it in summer league where, you know, he just – he brings it. He plays with energy. He plays all out. He's tough. You know, he fits the profile of what this team – you know, once off the bench. Yeah, and and I definitely agree. Um, there's there's definitely an upgrade over Felicio, that's for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, not not saying much, but I'm hoping you get playing time. Do you see him get on playing time? So uh, I, I don't I don't think he's going to play much, if at all, okay. to start the season. And I I think that's fine. You you typically okay. don't want to go into a regular season 
where your second round pick is expected to play big minutes off the bench. So I, I think I think Gafford is probably going to work his way into a role. I would not be surprised. I, I think he'll be active for games, but I think Luke Cornett is largely going to get those backup five minutes. Now, depending on matchups, I can definitely see them giving Gafford a chance, you know, more athletic covers, you know, things like that. But, you know, for, for now, I think this is going to be more of a learning season for Gafford. Like he's, he's going to bring energy, but there are a lot of raw aspects to his game that definitely need to be polished first before you can consistently rely on him. And, and that's fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So basically maybe see him maybe uh red flag maybe most of this he'll probably like you say maybe get some playing time with you know foul troubles or mm. injuries and we believe we deal we see injuries after injuries for the past few years. Yeah. And I mean we got Wendell Carter Jr. with that what you call it, muscle core injury or something like that? Yeah. Muscle core injury, yeah, but it should be ready by training camp. So um but yeah, I I'm pretty excited to be honest with you. It's pretty ex- excited for this season. Now you mentioned about Luke Cornett, who signed with a what a two year deal with the full exception. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. that's correct. And, and what are your thoughts on that signing? I think Luke Cornett's a good signing. I think he. I mean, they the Bulls got him for a very cheap deal. I think they got him for uh, four point five million total. So that's he. He probably got a little bit more than the veteran minimum for. Uh, a 10-year player, even though Luke Cornett is a two-year. So he got a little bit more than the maximum amount of a veteran minimum player in the NBA. And, you know, Bulls fans are, are a little familiar with Luke Cornett from what he did to them last year. I mean, he was blocking shots and hitting threes all over the court. So, you know, he's got a he's got an interesting skill set. He's, he's, a, he's a decent two-way player in that he can block shots and that he can space the floor and hit threes. His Offensive percentages aren't particularly good. He shoots under 40% from the field, but that's largely because, you know, his offensive skill set is purely built around shooting threes. I think uh, over well over 60% of his offense came on three-point shots last season. So, I mean, that's that's very interesting. It's a high amount of three-point percent of three-point shots for a player to be taking. So, uh, I, I, I like the signing overall. I think it's a very good fit, and the Bulls have a player who I think they can trust to, you know, play reserve minutes. And, you know, if there are injuries, he can play spot minutes as a starter. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, I, I like the signing. Um, he's mm-hmm. a stretch five, can stretch the floor. And, you know, we'd be craving for stretch five for, for a few years, um, which we never – I don't think we never have stretch five, do we? I don't think um, we did. We've had some in the a few in the past. Uh Brad Miller comes to mind as a stretch oh, five. Brad yeah. Miller. Brad Miller yeah. was a very good stretch five. And uh Cornet Cornet's a little bit different from Brad Miller, but uh it's it's a similar effect in that you'll have a guy that can pull the team's uh center out to the perimeter and that creates more driving lanes and that puts a lesser defender as the last line of defense in the paint. So it's, it's a very favorable, you know, advantage to have at, at times. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, you know, I was really on the, I think it was the real GM Bulls forum that they talk about one of the poster. I don't know which one, I can't remember who about his staining reach. I think it's like nine inch, isn't it? Nine inch. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's why he can block shots with his, you know, with his link, which is good to have. 
I thought it's pretty interesting that looking at a depth chart at the center position, with you got Wendell Collar Jr., you got uh, Danny Godford, and you, get, and you got Luke Cornett and plus Felicio, mm-hmm. they all bring different skill sets, which is pretty good to have. Yeah, it um, is. It I, is. And, you know, of course, Wendell Collar Jr. is missing some development time due to his injury, but he's pretty skillful. And you got Dan Godford, who's a more of a defensive guy, shot blocker, and then you got Cornette, who can block shot, but basically a stretch five, mm. which is we can use, you know, for different situations. I hope Tim Bolin knows that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, during you know during the game situation, I like you know what we need to stretch the floor, in the, you know, in the fourth quarter that you need maybe in a three point shot, put your your best three point shooters out there, and I'm hoping you shoot a good percentage. Um, Luke Cornett, um, you know how many attempts he shoot threes last season in terms of stat-wise? I think he shot about 36% from three and then about 37% from the field. So, you know, again, you have got to keep in mind that his percentages are largely influenced because he is a high-value three-point. He, he's very high-value in his three-point three attempts. If you look at his shot chart, it's basically mostly just three-point shots with a few shots in the paint. So, his percentage – it'll be interesting to see if he changes any of that this year, but his percentages based off the past two seasons are largely because he just takes a high amount of three-point shots. Yeah, that, that's a pretty amount of following. And we put – sometimes good, sometimes bad. And um, especially in today's NBA, you want players to, you know, stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's pretty encouraging to have a stretch big man. Uh, now – you can you, do you think you can play at the four? I would not play Cornette at the four. I don't think he's fast enough to keep up with the players at that position. I think he's I think he's good at the five. You want to you probably want to keep him you know in that paint where he can just block shots. And I think that's kind of where you know where you you're, you're glad you have someone like Thaddeus Young who at the four can keep up with those quicker players. He can play. Thaddeus Young's a very versatile defender overall, and I think if the Bulls are in a situation where they have to play Young and Cornette together, they're both very compatible in terms of their game offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, it's sound promising. It's very intriguing. And funny as you mentioned Thaddeus Young, I love the sign. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there may be mixed reaction from Bulls fans, from Twitter, from message board, whatever, but I love the signing. Um, it's only like two years, I believe $40 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And he's a, you know, we need a backup power forward. <laughs> we need a backup yeah. power, power forward. And we finally got one who will be backing up uh, Lauren Markkinen. Uh, now, he's been a star for major of his career, or pretty much all his career, until now he's going to be playing off the bench, which we could use, you know, straight in the Bulls bench, because, you know, the Bulls bench being pretty bad for the past couple of years or so. Mm. And he, you know, he defends, he's in toughness. I, I like the I like the sign. What do you thoughts on it yeah i like the signing uh it it was a surprising signing only because oh yeah i i think we were all very i think we were all very much expecting them to go point guard first but them agreeing to a deal with thaddeus young on the first day of free agency shows that he was you know a target he was a guy they sought out and he wasn't just some guy that you know they settled on as a you know as a second option or or something like that he's a He's a veteran who plays the game the right way. He's very tough. 
He's played in a lot of meaningful playoff games. He's played and started for a lot of good teams. And, you know, he's he's a, a the type of player that you want on a team. Like, he's a coach on the floor. He brings value to both sides of the ball. And he's he's been a very steady player. And I think the bonus is that he doesn't really miss many games. If you look at Thaddeus Young's career, he's typically on the floor. And he just he, – he always – he's very consistent. Like, if you look at the – you know, players I compare him to on the Bulls in terms of what he brings in terms of intangibles. You think of what Taj Gibson brought to the Bulls. You you think of what uh, Joe Smith, I mean, many years ago, brought to the Bulls team in his brief uh, stint here. You you think about Brad Miller, and at least offensively, you think about Brad Miller. I mean, you, you think about steady players who know what you're going get to get from night in and night out. And those are the type of players that have positive effects on a young Bulls team that, you know, many times last year, they need that calming veteran presence. And, you know, Robin Lopez was that for three years, but a guy like that, he is young, ensures that that can continue. So I, I really like the signing overall. I think he can play with Lowry Markinen. I think he can play with Wendell Carter Jr. He can play with Luke Cornett. He's versatile. He's tough. Just a smart overall player, and I think he's going to be a an important part of whether or not this Bulls team can improve uh, next season. Definitely, definitely. Um, like I say, I love the sign, and it's you know it's pretty great to have that you can play a bunch of guys with the front with his front court. Lauren Marketing, you can put him at the five if we need to. You can mm-hmm. play with Wendell Carter Jr. You can play with. Luke Cornett or even Daniel Godford if you want some just defensive lineup only. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be ugly on offense. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go, right there. Um I love the pickup. And like you said, I was surprised we pick up Dallas Young. Uh, as you mentioned, I thought we gotta go after you know point guards first, you know. Mm. We've been hearing like some names of point guards, Gary Rose, uh even Derek Collision, and there were reports from Casey Johnson, I believe, that the Bulls were seemed like they were going after Derek Collision, but he decided to retire, and we heard about jokes about that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is not good to hear. Yeah. It is what it is. And then, speaking of point guards, we signed, um, and I know I'm going to mess up his name, Tomas uh, Style. I can't even say his last name. So, <laughs> I'm just going to say Tomas. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and, who is a 6'7", pretty good size, 6'7", point guard who played for the Washington Wizards. Um, he shoot, I believe, 40, 41% three-point, but he shoot, like, a low falling behind the arc. And I thought this is a, a solid pickup um, for the Bulls, which you want a point guard that can win the offense. Um, and now, I don't I don't know if he's going to start, you know, according to Chim and Chris Dunn is going to start, but you never know. Maybe play off the bench, maybe play as a start. What are your thoughts on the pickup? I really like this pickup. Uh, Sadoransky, he is... To me, he's my favorite signing of uh, Young and Cornet so far. He's, I, I think Bulls fans are really going to like him. He is such a smart, tough, and versatile player. And more importantly, he fits with the starting lineup. He can play point guard, he can play shooting guard, and he can play a little small forward. So he can play all three per- perimeter positions. And what I like most about him is that He's very selfless. He's a very, very good passer. I wouldn't look at the assist numbers. I think he averages about six assists per game, which is fine. But I, I don't think the assist numbers tell you just how good of a passer he is. He's a good passer on pick and roll. 
he finds big men, he finds cutters, and when he doesn't have the ball, he can space the floor. He can make that catch-and-shoot three-point shot, which is very important next to Zach Levine. And what we what you've seen from him in Washington playing next to another high-volume off-the-dribble scorer in Bradley Beal should give Bulls fans great encouragement that this guy can play really well next to Zach Levine. There won't really be an adjustment period because they are similar types of players offensively. So, you know, Sadoransky, I think, to me, I would start him from day one. I, I think he is that good where you should play him day one with the starters. And I, I think he's going to have a very positive effect on each player in this lineup. And he's just another smart two-way player that you have on this team. It's it's a it's a very, very good signing, especially considering that the Bulls missed out on uh, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, that Darren Collison, who was their original target, he retired. So to get a guy like that for a very fair price, I, I think is a really, really good deal. And he's he's the player I'm most excited about in terms of new additions. Yeah, definitely. And, and he's only, what, 28? Yeah, I think he's uh, 20. He's either 26, 27. He's, he's in his mid, mid-ish 20s, I think. So, I mean, he's, he's played – you know, he's played internationally, so he's a veteran in, in that regard, And even though it's only his third year in the NBA. But, you know, you're getting – you're just getting a very, very smart basketball player. In, yeah. in a way, he's kind of like uh, – he, he is comparable to Malcolm Brogdon. He's kind of he kind of like the Joe Engel of point guards in a, in a sense as well. I mean, there's – he's just a very heady player, like very smart, very aware – consistent is going to bring a style of play that is a part of what this team wants to build in terms of culture, in terms of guys, you know, playing for one another. Like he's, again, I'm just, if you can't tell, I'm very excited about the addition of Saturday. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm excited too. And, you know, um, it's, uh, what's the one I'm looking for? He, this is a, a good pickup, and he's a scrappy def- defender too. He's a scrappy, yes. scrappy defender. I, I remember I seen him guarding when he was with Washington. I think it was last season. The way he defend Kari Irvin, he was doing a good job. And I think there's mm. like some highlights for you on YouTube of it too. And yeah. I was pretty impressed when he defended. I remember he was killing the Bulls at one point, a couple times last season and season before that uh, when he was with Washington. And that was how he's pretty underrated, and he has a good size. And as you mentioned, he play, can play multiple positions, which is good to have with players. You have players who can play multiple uh, positions. We have multiple ball handlers. Mm-hmm. You get put. You don't have to worry about this whole one ball handler, like from the old days with Derrick Rose. Oh, God, that was such a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that half-court crab. You don't have to yeah. worry about that right at the, for the, not the next few years, you know? And I think yeah. he'd be a good a good – in my opinion, I think he can be a good influence for Kobe White. And Kobe White can learn from him at that position. Punker, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think he's a great I think he's a great mentor for Kobe White and I think he's a great fit for what this team wants to run in terms of using this multiple ball handler uh, offense because that's what this team had success with in February when they traded for Otto Porter. The offense was it, it was mostly built around the idea that Whoever gets the ball off a turnover or a stop, that player can bring the ball up and that player can initiate the offense. So it, it's 
everyone's kind of sharing the wealth. Everyone's running the offense, and it's not really dependent on one guy to do everything. So I think with when you add Sadoransky to that mix, you're getting a guy who not only can play on the ball, you know, play as a ball handler and can pass and find the open, you know, open man, but you're also getting a player that, again, can shoot the ball, can stretch the floor, which is a great fit next to Zach Levine, which is a great fit if you do post up Lowry Markkinen and you want to spread shooters around. He's just a very good off-the-ball off player. He moves without the ball, you know, extremely well. So I, I think this is when, – when you look at Kobe White, I think that's the mold of player that the Bulls are kind of looking for. They're looking for a guy who's versatile, who doesn't necessarily always need the ball. So – you know, when you when you look at the point guards the Bulls have on this roster, Sadoransky with Kobe White, even Ryan Archidiakono, all of these guys have some good overlap in terms of being able to have that versatility with and without the ball. And I think that's very important in terms of building this offense going forward. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty stoked. Honestly, I'm pretty stoked for this season already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought. I mean, now, yeah, we don't get a superstar in the Kawhi era or anything yet. Yeah, I know there's some people are still not happy with the way the moves Bulls make in this offseason, but we didn't overpay guys. I thought the I think but they didn't sign they signed Moss, but two year deal? Yeah, everyone got three year so everyone got a three year deal with a third year is partially guaranteed. So, you know, in, in terms of contract value, I think they got excellent deals out of these guys. Sadoransky's making a, what about nine to ten million per year. Young got about uh, 13 million per year. Luke Cornett got about 2.2 or 2.3 million per year. Archie Diakono got about 3 million per year. The Bulls made value contracts. They, they got contracts for guys who should play above those deals. And if they ever needed to trade those guys, those guys are easy to move. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, you heard about that 2021 plan. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll see when the time comes, but um, now I hope. And you mentioned about Tomas. You're hoping he get the start. And I, I honestly think he should start with the starters playing alongside with Zach Levine or the Porter. And you know, funny mention is he and or the Porter are teammates. And with the Washington Wizard, I think they're kind of tight. And I know Washington Wizard are gonna miss him. I hear fans. I mean, I read from the fans from Washington Wizard that they say they're facing the Bulls move pick up Tomas that they we gotta like him. He is a smart player, like he, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll he'll bring it. He'll bring it, and he's he's more tougher than than he looks. He's he brings like toughness too. Yeah. Um. From from I'm being you know, and I see some of these games because I after all I have NBA League Pass, mm-hmm. <laughs> and but Wizard fans. You know, from from their feedback from them that they they wish they could resign. And I honestly, I thought it's kind of surprised they signed him because you know he was a restricted free agent and mm-hmm. gone from the signing trade. Uh, were you surprised with that signing with uh, Tomas? Yeah. So I wasn't it, when we were talking about it on uh on our podcast. I wasn't sure what his situation was like. I knew I thought Sadoransky would fit well with this Bulls team, but. I wasn't really sure what Washington's, you know, game plan is because they have, you know, John Wall, they signed him to a super max. They have Bradley Beal. So it, there was really no telling whether or not Washington was viewing this as an off season where they were trying to get better, or maybe this is an off season where 
they're trying to transition or, you know, re- retool a little bit. I'm not sure. I don't even think they're completely sure yet, but I, I, I wasn't surprised. I, I, I guess I was a little surprised overall that we were able to get him not only for a fair contract, but without really even surrendering much in terms of assets overall. So, I, it, again, it, this is just – it's a very good signing for the Bulls. They got a very solid player for a good price. I think they gave up, what's a second-round pick, and then they uh, took the uh, – I think they adjusted the protections on the second-round pick that they sent to Washington – in the Otto Porter trade uh, in February. So, I mean, overall, I mean, it's, it's just really good value, and they got a good deal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and you know, you don't have to worry about undersized guards getting pushed up easily. <laughs> like yeah. in the old days, remember with Kurt Ahiram, Ben Gordon? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Mulan, uh, man, posting God, posting them like mad crazy getting easy points. We don't have to worry about that. We got size now. Yeah. <laughs> we got size. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good size. Yeah, there's yeah. there's Sadaransky six seven, Levine six five. The Bulls have a good they have a lineup with good size at each position overall. Definitely. And you know, I'm hoping he starts. Now, if you if you're a coach of the Bulls and you decide who starts and who's on the rotation, who's your starting line and who's be on the rotation? I would start Sadoransky, Levine, Otto, Lowry, and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Off the bench, my backup point guard would be Ryan Archidiakono. My backup two guard would be Kobe White. My backup three would be either Denzel Valentine or Chandler Hutchinson. Uh, it really just depends on their injury status right now. I'm not sure. You know, everything's kind of. Everything's kind of uh, quiet on the Denzel Valentine front right now, and Chandler Hutchinson is just is still rehabbing from an injury. So there's really no telling what you're going to get from either one of them next season. We'll see. But uh, and then at four and five, you'd have Young and Cornette. So I I think you could make a case that the Bulls could use a a cheap veteran wing who can be a little bit more reliable than Hutchinson or Valentine. But I think that's who I would roll with right now. Like I. I think the rotation for me is really firm and I wouldn't really worry about, you know, a player like Chris Dunn or anything right now. So again, I'll, I'll roll out with Sadoransky as starting point guard and then I will keep the rest of the starters the same as last year. Okay. So pretty much Dunn's not in the, in your rotation. Yeah. Um, hopefully he doesn't punch you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Bobby Thornton's did the glory. That's why I'm concerned to be honest with you, because let's say he don't start. Let's say Tomas got started, or or whoever. I have a feeling Dunn might be the type of person to punch someone in the face. <laughs> but I could be wrong. You never know. Um, I, I do think we do need to move Chris Dunn to be honest with you. But but if we do keep it, I think he could be a good useful as a in the role of Marcus Smart type of role. What, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I, I'll say this about Chris Dunn. I. I think at this point, it really doesn't matter what he is to the Chicago Bulls anymore. I think Chris Dunn has had ample amount of time to, you know, prove any type of value to the Bulls. And he hasn't done he hasn't done it. I mean, you John Paxson, I think, has been very I think he's been very candid about how he feels about the point guard situation. If we go back to the offseason presser, he pretty much was adamant about the Bulls need to upgrade this, you know, position. They need to bring in competition for this position. And they drafted Kobe White. They re-signed Ryan Archidiakono. They signed Tomas Sadoransky. So, 
you know, they're whatever Chris Dunn is, I think this team is the wrong situation for him to become that player. Like you, you mentioned Marcus Smart. I, I don't think Chris Dunn can become Marcus Smart in Chicago. I think he okay. needs a change of scenery, you know, to be that player. So it's, it, it's kind of a weird situation where I, I think it's best for both sides to move on. And I think that's why the Bulls have been shopping him for a while, but it's just right now, I just don't see, I, I don't see the fit for him off the bench. I don't see the fit for him in a starting lineup. It just, it, it's just become really apparent to me that Chris Dunn just no longer really fits in the plans for this team going forward. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I hope they move him sooner than later. So, you know, because you have so many guards right now. It's per- I mean, you just resigned Shaq Harrison not that long ago. I know he's not a two yeah. but he's still he's still he's still a guard. Um, you got let's see, look at the death chart. You got Tomas, you got Kobe Wright as a combo guard. You got um, Ryan Kurt Hyrant clone. <laughs> I like Kurt yeah. Hyrant clone. I know Mark likes that because <laughs> he's yeah. a Kurt Hyrant fan. <laughs> and yeah. you got Shaq Harrison. That's four guards. That's and normally teams hold three point guards on the roster usually. In the in the NBA, but we got like four of them, four of them basically, yeah. and that and we need we need depth at the wing position. And as you mentioned about Dance of Fan Time, I read somewhere according to I think it was Joe Crowler from the Chicago Sun Times say that his recovery didn't go as according to plan. So that doesn't sound too good from his. Uh, inc- I don't even read that. You you heard about that report? Uh, yeah, I, I read that report and it. It makes sense why the Bulls are – it doesn't seem like they are depending on Valentine either right now. Even though I wouldn't say Valentine is really in Chris Dunn territory right now, but I do think that the Bulls are preparing this – they're building this team as if they can withstand Denzel Valentine not being ready for the regular season. It, it really is a big mystery. He hasn't played basketball in – you know, he, he missed last season. So he's going to be rusty. I mean, we don't know if he's going to be on a minutes limit. We don't really know – a whole bunch about it and if the bulls are kind of feeling that way too then it you know it, it makes sense but you know if, if denzel valentine is healthy and ready to go i, I do think that he adds a, a much welcome element to this team you know i think mm-hmm. i think people forget that denzel valentine was a he had a solid sophomore season you yeah. know he, he was he was a very good rebounder for his position He's an underrated passer. I, I think when a lot of times when we talk about Denzel Valentine, we don't really talk about, you know, how good of a passer he is. He is a very yeah. good passer, and he can shoot the three ball as well. His his team defense was getting a little better. He's not a great individual defender, but I thought his team defense was becoming decent. So I, yeah. I think if you can get Denzel Valentine back, I, I think that's a very welcome addition to a bench because then all of a sudden you have a multifaceted player on the offensive end who can play one, two, or three and fits with a, num- a number of lineup combinations. So, you know, I, I would, I, I hope, I hope Denzel Valentine is able to come back and, you know, that, that would be a very good lift for this team off the bench. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I, I, I'm concerned with him because, you know, he has that ankle surgery and, you know, ankles are no slouch. Yeah. Uh, especially ankle surgery. This kind of reminds me of Grant Hill. You know, it might be a mm. different situation because remember Grant Hill spring when he was with when he signed with, with Detroit Pistons, he sprained his ankle. 
And I think he has yeah. multiple surgery on his ankle. Is that, if I remember correctly, he has multiple surgery because he'd come back too soon and he would injure that ankle and, and things were not the same. He wasn't the same player like he was. Um, mm. Now, Fountain might be a little different regarding his surgery on his ankle. And that seemed to be a, a really alarming that we haven't heard much, even though we, according to Crowler from the Chicago Sun Times, that it, he's not healing as properly or he's not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not um, what we're expecting or what we're hoping for. And it's pretty, pretty alarming. And and keep in mind, he's I think his contract, his rookie contract, expired this season, isn't it? After this season. Yeah, he's a Denzel Valentine will be a restricted free agent after this season. After this, yeah, restricted. So it'll be interesting what the Bulls gonna do if if he's not healthy for this season or not. Or what he? I mean, even if he was, hopefully he was. He's ready to go for this for this training camp. Um, I'm sure we may not hear more about his recovery until maybe maybe in a couple months, maybe maybe in September. Yeah, I'm assuming, or that's why I'm hoping for. Because, like you said, if he can stay healthy, he did show some improvement in his sophomore season. I'm I remember he was shooting the ball pretty well, um, averaging 10 points per game, a solid rebound for his position. You play at the two, some at the three. Um, yeah. You can forget about playing one-on-one because, you know, look at what happened at the Drew League <laughs> from that, <before> that injury. <laughs> yeah. i never forget that. <laughs> and, and then, you know, he's not the most athletic guys, but, you know, he's, first of all, he can help in other different ways, you know. Unlike some other players, we see like Cameron Payne for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you be it can help a little bit at the wing because we, at, at the wing position, beside all the Porter, we're pretty thin, and we still need help. Even if Valentine is ready to go, we need some addition. I was hoping we signed someone like Reggie Bullock, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Knicks got him, and you know, now and I was hoping maybe get David Nwaba back. You know, in the Mexico, he's just a defender, but he'd be a good. To add depth at the wing position, but he signed with um, Brooklyn. Now we're we're probably have to stick with you know with Ola Porter and Chandler Hudson. And now Hudson, he looks bigger. Yeah, I, I know you saw this summer that he looks bigger. He looks yeah. like pretty buffed up, and but he still does remind me of Scottie Pippen, like a lot of people claim, <laughs> like Stacey Keen. <laughs> <laughs> and but he looks bigger. But he, you know, this is summer league, and I always don't take summer league seriously. Shane Hudson seemed to be the same in terms of offense. You would think maybe he'll be able to because he he's pretty athletic, and yeah, he be, but he can't be got he can't finish well and gets and he's shooting release is pretty awkward or slow, you know. Yeah, um, but I'm sure you probably gotta get a big opportunity. Um, at the wing, did you see the Bulls maybe make one more move to get that cover that wing position? I think they want to get a veteran wing. I think they, I think they would love to because they don't really have a lot of, you know, depth right now at that position. You know, there's after Valentine and Hutchinson, there's really not, you know, and they're, they're kind of up in the air with injuries. You don't really have a guy that you can look at and just, just you know what you're going to get from right now. So I, I think they want to, but the market right now is very dry. The Bulls don't really have much money. They have a little bit, more than the, they have about I think 2.6 or 2.7 million of the room exception remaining so I mean there there's not a whole lot in terms of salary that you can offer someone but I do think that the Bulls would love to have 
a veteran wing that they could look at and they could, you know, bring in without, you know, the questions that you have about Denzel Valentine or Chandler Hutchinson right now. But I, I, I think if that doesn't happen, then I think Chandler Hutchinson is going to get, you know, he, he's going to get another chance because the Bulls did like him a lot at the draft yeah. process last year. They did promise him. And, you know, it, it sucks because his rookie season ended in injury and he was starting to play better. You know, he, we, we saw solid defense from him. He can guard multiple positions. He's a very good athlete as well, and he can rebound the ball well, and he can push the ball in transition. I think, as you mentioned, the, the thing that we have to look at with uh, Chandler Hutchinson is that his jump shot is not very versatile. It is still kind of slow. He's, it's more of a standstill, catch-and-shoot type of shot. So it, in, in terms of being an individual you know, creator with that jump shot, it's a work in progress, but I, I think there's a lot to like about Chandler Hutchinson. I, I think people do need to give him a little bit more time to, you know, recover from that injury and to develop. You know, I know he's a he's a uh, entering the league as a four year player from Boise State. So, you know, the upside may not be that high. And I know people are looking at the players selected around that draft spot. Like I think Landry Shamet went around that pick as well. So, you know, a lot of people want to see a player that can be a contributor, a consistent contributor right now. So uh, I, I think we still need to have patience with Chandler Hudson. I, I like him as a player, and I think he can, you know, be a valuable piece of this Bulls team one day. Yeah, um, and if you saw that, like, in terms – if you see him when he was in college, he those four years in college, he was showing improvements statistic-wise and performance-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and now this – his first year, and as you mentioned before that injury, he was showing improvement. I remember he was showing improvement. He was looking like he's not bookie shy, I guess that's what the word looking for. And he's being a little bit more aggressive. And now it's a shame with that injury. Man, I hate injuries. And yeah. I'm hoping, you know, maybe he get the, another opportunity or seem like he will get an opportunity. And I hope he breaks through, break through it. Um, this is, and one of the Things I was hoping the Bulls, when they were adding some assistant coach, which I will talk about in a, in a minute, is add a shooting coach. Add a shooting coach. Has have the shooting coach teach those guys to learn to shoot better, become a better shooter. Someone like Chris Dunn, someone like Jenner Hudson. Those guys need to become a better shooter because in today's NBA, you need that to keep that defense mm-hmm. honest. And I think Jenner Hudson needs a shooting coach. I was hoping the Bulls sign one. Maybe someone like. Mark Price, for example, or um, Dan Marley, or uh, who else? Uh, Cody, I mean, Hoge, Hoge, um, I, I can't even say his name, Hoges from the, you know, mm-hmm. the old sharp shooter from the Bulls, someone like that. Sharp shooter, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about the Bulls adding shooting coach? I think it's interesting because when Fred Hoiberg was here, he, he worked with a lot of players on their shots. He worked with Derrick Rose. He worked with uh, Chris Dunn. I, I do believe he worked with uh, uh, Chandler Hutchison as well. So, you know, while Fred Hoiberg was here, he was in a way kind of the shooting specialist for this team. It, it's it's an interesting concept. And I think one of the player or one of the uh, coaches around the league that you can point to that has done well with that is uh, he's with the San Antonio Spurs. I think his, I think it's Chip England. And I think he worked with Kawhi Leonard on his shot. Because if you remember, Kawhi Leonard entered the league and he didn't have a strong reputation as a shooter. But now you would say that Kawhi Leonard is probably one of the better, you know, shooters in the league in terms of being able to shoot, 
you know, from three and off the dribble. So it it is interesting if the Bulls can get a guy that can work with the players on that. I mean, I'm not sure if it's not someone who's a designated shooting coach, it may just be someone who's already here. It may be uh, Chris Fleming of the Brooklyn Nets, who the Bulls hired as an assistant head coach. He may be someone that can work with players on their shot. It may, it may even be Jim Boylan. I don't know, but I don't know what Jim Boylan's, you know, take is on, uh, you know, shot forms and, you know, improving that. But it, it might be something I think that they're going to look in house to do. And I don't know. It, it, Right now, it doesn't seem like they're looking to, you know, hire externally from it. But it's it's definitely interesting because the Bulls do have a number of players in terms of, you know, Hutchison, in terms of, you know, Shaq Harrison, in terms of uh, God, who else? I, I mean, you could say Chris Dunn as well. But, I mean, I, they do have a bunch of players who have struggled with their, you know, becoming consistent jump shooters. And it, it would definitely be a welcome addition. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Gafford is someone who uh, would benefit from that. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely – if they can work with some of these players on that, we, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. And from you mentioned about the assistant coach, Chris Freeman, who we just added part one of the top assistant coach, who was the assistant coach for Brooklyn Nets. You also add um, Wani Rogers, or is it Roy Rogers? Whichever. Roy Rogers, yeah. Is it Roy Rogers? Yeah. 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 <laughs> At least I got the last name right. <laughs> you got – uh, Rogers, who was the assistant coach for the Houston Rockets, which we had two new fresh blood, which is pretty encouraging. Something new. Instead of the same old, like, Randy Brown, Pete Myers. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against <laughs> those two, but we need some new fresh blood on the sideline, the assistant coach. And Chris Framington, and, you know, from, and I, I believe you saw the thread on the message board, someone posted uh, a field, give it like an analyze of Chris Framington's offensive scheme. Uh, he's offensive from philosophy on the when he was a sister coach for the Brooklyn Nets, and I would find that's pretty good and insightful. And I'm hoping we use that offense, that Brooklyn offense, because I thought that was a good offense and something yeah, you know yeah. what you want from the roster we have that fits, you know, it fits with our roster. Um, what are your thoughts about the Bulls adding those two assistant coaches? Yeah, so uh, Corey Salaba, who does a really good job with the Hardwood Herald, and you know, he's done videos on draft prospects and, you know, NBA signing or not NBA signings, but, you know, showing what current players in the league are doing in terms of their system and the plays that they, you know, are being run for them. And, you know, we had him on the show uh, during the draft process. He does a great job with those and he showed kind of what, you know, Bulls fans can expect uh, in terms of what Chris Fleming is going to bring to his team. And I, I like it. I think Brooklyn is a good example of what you want to be in the NBA in terms of offensive style. Like they, they play a very encouraging brand of basketball in terms of offense. And it's it's good because we are seeing the Bulls. It, it seemed bleak for a second because it seemed like the Bulls wanted to revert into more of a methodical, slow-paced team that kind of, you know, operated, you know, from the paint in terms of a high volume of post-ups and things like that. But it seems now the Bulls are kind of on board again with, you know, trying to play a spread-out offensive attack, trying to – you know, have more pick and roll, trying to get more shooting on the floor. So I think Chris Fleming is going to do well. I, you know, we, it, I'll, I'll never be an expert of what coaches can bring to a team, but from everything that I read, it seems very encouraging about Chris Fleming in terms of what he's done in Brooklyn and what he's done in Denver. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I like the addition. Well, when I first heard that name, I was like, who's that? You know, and then when yeah. I, 
read about him. And I was like, oh, okay, from Brooklyn. And, you know, Brooklyn did a good job running their offense with Atkins as the head coach and Chris Feminine, who's has a office of philosophy. Hey, if Tim Bowling doesn't work out, we can't hire Clint Feminine as the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> we play <laughs> Tim Bowling, which is possible. You never know. I mean, it's a shame we extend Tim Bowling, but we'll see how that goes. But I find that this is a good addition. Um, in terms of what we want on the offensive side. Now, as for, as for Rodgers, is this the same Rodgers we trade for Scottie Pippen or something like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't remember if Roy Rogers played for the Bulls or not, but I know he played for uh, – I think he played for Toronto. I think he played for Houston. He was a, he was a solid big in the league for a while. Yeah. I, I think he had like a 10-plus year career in the NBA. So, yeah, he had a solid career. Yeah, I, I remember that name. I like I haven't heard that name for a while, and then – I was like, oh, I didn't know he was assistant coach for Houston, for the Houston Rockets. And and mm. according to reports that he was responsible for the development of Clint Capala, uh, Clint, uh, Clint Capala from Houston. And that's pretty, mm. I guess you could say he's basically our big man coach, basically. Mm. And I think that maybe he could benefit for someone like Dan Gafford, Bill Carter Tuner, Lauren Markkinen, Luke Cornett, and those bit the biggest we have. So it could probably help those big guys development for this hire. What do you think about uh Roy Rogers hiring? Yeah, I like I like the Roy Rogers hire a lot. You know, his his work with Clint Capella over years is definitely very transparent. And we've seen Capella get, you know, we, we've seen him improve a lot over years. And he's he's become a very productive, you know, big man. He's a very solid and reliable defender for Houston. And you look at what they have, as you mentioned, in terms of Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford, his work with those young big men in terms of improving them def- defensively, you know, polishing them a little bit. I think that's something that you're going to, you know, hope that he does. So Roy Rogers is a, a, a just another really good hire for his team. I think, you know, the additions of Chris Fleming, the additions of Roy Rogers definitely make you a little, they, they make you more optimistic about what this coaching staff can do with this team next season. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, and over the years, we haven't had a good coaching staff since, Maybe since Thibodeau, because with you know with uh what's his name the one got fired Adams Juan Adams yeah I, yeah Ron I, always Adams. Thought, I always thought he's underrated um he's a defensive coach but I always thought he's underrated and yeah I mean, have a good coaching staff we always settle for Pete Myers Randy Brown and some random guy I never heard of what his name is for <laughs> sure yeah, but it's pretty encouraging we got some new fresh blood which is you know. And we got Chris Feminin from another lead. I um, mean, another lead, another team from Brooklyn Nets. You got mm. uh, Rogers. You can say basically you're a big man coach too. It's pretty pretty optimist. Um, I haven't been this optimist for a while now. I'm not optimist about Bulls winning the championship this <laughs> this season, but yeah. it's, it's something. But it may take some while in terms of developing the knowing the system of the office. I'm hoping Chip Bowling will let. His sister coach, like Chris Flanagan, do his job and won that fast pace. You know, it probably will take while for the players to get used to this offense, but I'm sure they will love this offense. Um, mm. But, yeah, we'll see. Now, before I close this, I want to make this one funny joke. You mentioned about the wings, right? That's not unfailable. Well, Vince Carter is unfailable. <laughs> yeah, he is. Vince he is Carter would be, yeah, Vince Carter would be a – He'd be a good veteran to have on the team. I honestly would be fine with Vince Carter. It's it's always good to have a guy, you know, with a Hall of Fame career, with a wealth of knowledge who, 
you know, has so much experience that he can share with young players. And, you know, I, I definitely would be on board with it. I mean, he's, okay. he, he's, he's a very steady player and he can still, he can still play some minutes too. I mean, he can still play 10 to 15 minutes in the NBA. I'd, I'd be cool with that. And, you know, I see him still like maybe he doesn't have that mad hops or explosives like he used to be, but I see mm-hmm. he can get up there when he was with the Hawks last season. I think he dunked on the Bulls last season, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And he's like what early forties, early forties. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, now I'm a little bitter about him because what he back in many years when he was with Toronto, he quit on the team, and I'm I'm not a big fan when players quit on the team, especially if you're the best player on the team, but. I would be open for him being on the roster for at least one season. I know he wants to play one more season. Uh, we haven't heard from him. I, I think he'll probably go to contender finally. He wants to finally win the ring. But, hey, if not, I, I, I give him props that he signed with the Hawks last year. And yeah. he loves the game. He really does love the game. Um, yeah. So, I don't mind uh, him him and Fitz, hit, hit. Zach Levine can learn a little bit from him. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, <laughs> a little sim back in the days and get those dunks or whatever, you know? And Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, another wing, there's Paul Supper. <laughs> <There's Paul Sipper. laughs> we can bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's bring, possible. And we can bring the Nusunoni. Nusunoni, oh, I love that player <laughs> back in the days. Yeah. But yeah, but <laughs> now, final question. What do you grade for the Bulls offseason so far? I would give the Bulls a B plus. I think plus, they had a, okay. a yeah. I give them a B plus. I, I think they, I think they had a really good off season overall. Yeah. I mean, I, I if I look back on it, there's nothing I would really change. Only reason I'm not giving them an A is because I don't think they, you know, it's I, I would give an A to a team that I think you know did something you know incredible that I think really improved from like maybe a contender or something like that, but. I, I think that what the Bulls did, I mean, fans should really be happy with what they did. They're not yeah. – the players they brought in are not, you know, big names. They're not guys that, you know, you're going to see on, on the all-star team next year. But they're guys that play basketball the right way, and they're definite rotation players in the NBA. And that's what this team has been missing. You know, they – you could even really – you could really even include Otto Porter as an all-season acquisition because they, you know, they – use their cap space to absorb his deal. So it's the Bulls have done a really good job adding rotation players, adding guys that are two-way players, adding guys that play the right way of basketball that you need this team to play. And, you know, and more importantly, they complement the players on this team. They complement Zach uh, Lowry and Wendell Carter Jr. So, you know, overall, I, I think this has been a very good offseason for John Baxson and Gar Foreman. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the Bulls haven't been making good moves in the offseason for quite some time, since, what, 2010 maybe? After mm-hmm. they strike out with uh, LeBron and um, Bosch and Raid. Um, yeah. Signed the bench mob, and which is a solid move. Um, so it's been a while. The Bulls make, Tom Paxson made those good, solid offseason moves. Pretty solid. Yeah. And I, I'll yeah, give you great, as you mentioned, B. A B, I would give it like a solid B. Um, I would yeah. only give them an A if they sign someone like a superstar, <laughs> like you mentioned, yeah. make them as a contender. You know, obviously that would be an A plus. 
I know some Bulls fans on Twitter don't may may not agree with our grade because you know they're they're upset with you know they're bitter about the front office, rightfully so. You know with Carl Paxson, Trump, I mean Trump Paxson and Carl Foreman's history, but it is what it is. Yeah, but this is a solid move. But anyways, it's great talking to you again. Um, talking about Bulls again on this podcast. Um, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having are, me back. Definitely, and you are welcome back to come on this podcast. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about football. Who knows? Uh, who, who's your football team, anyways? I like the Bears. The Bears are uh, that's my team. Yeah. Oh, the Bears. I, sh- I should know. <laughs> I should know. I'm a Four <laughs> Nights fan, and I know we're gonna okay. beat your team one of these days. <laughs> oh man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with the with the, I, I make some jokes, but I'm kind of kidding. Maybe, maybe not. But probably a yeah. missed field goal or something like that. that okay, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> possible. I know, I know it might happen. Bears, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of Bears fans probably be upset now <laughs> because I know there's <laughs> a lot of Bears fans on uh, both sides. Because I guess I'm the only Bulls fan. Are well, I won't say only. Maybe some. I mean, I'm probably I'm a rare Bulls fan who is a foreigners fan. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. You might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, but it's great talking to you. Um, you're welcome back to this podcast. Um, follow me on Twitter, PDUH10. Uh, Let's Talk Podcast has a Facebook page. If you don't know about it yet, uh, I've been having it for a while now. Um, give give look for it, like it, follow it. The which will I try to I try to keep it updates on the Let's Talk Podcast Facebook page as much as I can, but if, you know, new new announcement, but new guests coming up the day, month, whatever, I do the same thing on Twitter, um, everything like that, so give it a look, give that thumbs like up. Next month, I mean, not next month, next Sunday, my friend, who I know from high school, Hugo, will return to this podcast talk about, or debate about sporting betting, sports betting, gambling, casinos. Are you a betting man? I, I keep track of it, but I don't really bet. I just like to look at the lines and see okay. what you know what the lines are looking like. So that's about it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I bet sometimes, once maybe once in a while. I'm not mm. heavily, heavily, heavily betting, you know. But I'll bet once in a while. I'm still bitter about a couple of weeks ago. I almost won a big jackpot, but I did. Oh man, I was so mad. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I, I'll tell you. Yeah, I, I'll tell you about that on Twitter <laughs> on DM. It's. I got that little funny story. It was so close. Oh, man. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Hugo will be my guest next Sunday on Let's Talk Podcast. He will return, and we will talk about sporting betting, gambling, and casinos, and that kind of good stuff. And also, Let's Talk Podcast is available on eight or nine different platforms. For my know, it's available on Apple Podcasts now. Um, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, Radio Public, um, Overcast, Pocket Cast, uh, and I know I'm missing three more. In um, whatever platforms are available now, which I can never remember all of them now anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the sign of me, of my old age. That's <laughs> not a good thing. But, but anyways, yeah, all those platforms. Now, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, your website, podcast. YouTube or anything like that, man? Yeah, uh, give us, uh, you know, give us a listen. Bulls Gold, uh, me and Salim Sudawala, we host Bulls Gold, uh, put out an episode each week. We actually have an episode coming out tomorrow where we talk with uh, Will Gottlieb of Bleacher Report about, 
you know, the Bulls Summer League. So, yeah, check that episode out. Check Bulls Gold out. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Bulls Gold. And, uh, yeah, it's a we do a pretty enjoyable show, and uh, we've been doing it for a while now. So, yeah, check out Bulls Gold. Bulls Gold. And, and what can you tell them what Fairbot, what platform is Fairbot, so people know where to check? Yeah, uh, check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We're on Spotify. I mean, I think we're on – we should be on everything, I think, at this point. If we're not, it's then you know we're not there yet. But yeah, we should be on damn near everything, I think. So yeah, check it. Just check us out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check check it out. Listen to the uh, their insight regarding the Bulls Bulls Go podcast. Um. Oh yeah, Spotify. My podcast is available on Spotify. Thanks for reminding yeah. me of that. <laughs> <laughs> but in Google Podcast too. That's eight, and I can't remember the last one. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, anyway, so have a good and this is my earliest I did on my podcast I usually do it in the evening so this is my earliest one yeah 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 <laughs> no I try to take it back I try to take it back I did it in the morning with uh Celine okay when he was on my podcast yeah so yeah so anyways have a good night everyone um have a good rest of it this week don't do anything crazy <laughs> if you win the Powerball share some money for me <laughs> <laughs> so so there's that so um Uh, Have the rest of a good day, everyone, and peace out, everyone. All right.